Hey everybody, thanks for listening, and as always, thanks to our sponsor, KnowledgeBand, the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. If you want the most advanced safety technology adapted from the human performance principles of the nuclear and aviation industries, then KnowledgeBand is error reduction that works. They were the first company to tie human performance to serious injury and fatality or SIF precursors. Learn more at knowledgevine.com. In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Today, my guest on the show is Mike Antosh. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Russell. Well, it's it's my pleasure. So, Mike, I'm looking at your email address here, and it looks like you're with a company called Prolitex, which sounds kind of cool, but actually... I'm looking at your website now. Is it Prolytics? Prolytics, yeah, like professional analytics. Yes, sir. Okay. You're the VP of sales, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. Okay. And you're in Houston? Based out of Houston, Texas. Yes. Okay. I saw the area code on your cell phone number. That's not a Houston area code. That is from the promised land, College Station, Texas. (laughs) nobody's ever heard of college day there's nothing there is there well yeah there is there's something there (laughs) yeah my first cell phone was right when i got out of college so i got it there in college station and that's where that number comes from that area is near and dear to my heart so i'll keep that 979 number for a while okay so you're a proud aggie i am i am yes sir although that's a redundancy in terms i never met an aggie that wasn't a proud aggie anyway (laughs) yeah Our athletic programs go up and down, but I heard someone say the other day, he said, look, my love for the university, it does not depend upon the record of our football team. I'll stick with that too. I love the university for what it does. And also I enjoy our sports whenever they are enjoyable. Well, there's a good chance this podcast may air before January 1st. Right now we're still debating upon who we're supposed to be the four teams that are in the college football playoffs, huh? It's settled, but yeah, it's still a topic of discussion for sure. I mean, if I were coming out of Florida right now, I would have a bit of an axe to grind if I was a Florida State person. Well, I don't know how much people are going to want us talking about college football, although it is near and dear (laughs) to the heart of most people who are listening to the podcast. Maybe not in the 134 other foreign countries that listen to it. Well, let me say one thing on that, though, Russell. Being in sales, I did not traditionally come from sales. So I started out as an engineer or as a technical project team member. And as I've gotten into sales, though, it is good to have something to talk about that's not work. Pretty much every visit I make, every boardroom I sit in, everywhere I go, we are always looking for something interesting to break the ice and build a bond. And that's one of the things that sports is so good at. It's just a pure form of sort of human interaction and engagement. I like to start every business meeting with a little bit of a discussion. So it's par for the course as far as I'm concerned. Actually, that's a good HSE tip. We talk all the time about how being an effective HSE person is more about leadership than it is being that safety cop and that sort of thing. That's a good tip for safety meetings right there. Tell me, who is this Prolytics and why are we having you on an HSE podcast? 
Well, we are a company that specializes in engineering technology, the middle ground between engineering and IT. And what I mean by that is if you think of engineering, you think of calculators and notepads and graph paper, that's math and science, that's engineering. And if you think about IT, you're thinking about sort of the cloud and servers and big data systems and things of that nature. But those two things have to work together in order to operate in the day in this modern age. You've got to be able to do good quality engineering, but you've got to do it with the latest and greatest technology so that you can have what a lot of popular term in the industry is like a digital twin. You have a cloud solution. You have some technology workspace that allows that engineering data to be managed well. And we, as a company, specialize in that middle ground between engineering and IT, a little bit of programming, a little bit of databases, a lot of engineering knowledge. We put that all together. And how does that relate to safety? I think it's safe to say that if you're working at a facility and you need good information to be safe and you need your systems to be running well, if you're going to trust that you're working with high pressure, high temperature, fast-moving objects, well, the information that you use to make decisions while you're doing that job, obviously, you need that information to be good. And what we do is we facilitate people managing good engineering data in modern tech systems. As a matter of fact, along those lines, I said I was looking at your website here, and that's actually one of your key points here, industrial safety solutions, innovation and automation to achieve the highest level of safety standards. You do that by, I guess, building this digital twin. That's a term, like you said, that's becoming real popular. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was just at lunch with someone and we were talking, I use the phrase digital twin and they said, what do you really mean by that? Are you meaning like a simulation of whatever facility. And think of this as could be a chemical plant, could be a refinery, could be renewable energy, whatever it is, some type of industrial system. And the idea of a twin in some people's mind is some sort of simulation system where you can sort of adjust it and you'll see how it reacts, raise the pressure, lower the temperature, make a change, and then you could technically see how your system reacts. But that is a digital twin But the bigger picture for the industry right now is about information. If I'm a technician or I'm an engineer and I'm going out into my facility and I've got a tablet and that tablet needs to have the latest drawing or the latest data sheet or whatever it is that I need to be able to look at a pump or a cable or a panel and make a smart decision on how I'm going to either work on it, how I'm going to inspect it, how I'm going to improve it then I need reliable information from a digital version of my facility. So I need to be able to pull up the right drawing or the right data sheet. And the digital twin, in the simplest terms, is a smart collection of all of those pieces of data that you need in order to run that facility. And if I can relate it, Russell, to the general house, I think one of the interesting things, like the most complex thing The biggest thing that generally most of us own is our home. And that home has plumbing and it has wiring and it has communication and all of those things sort of buried in the walls. But for a lot of people, you don't really know what's in those walls. You don't know where the plumbing is. You don't know where the wiring is. And when something goes wrong, 
you trace it down, you open panels, you study it, you try to figure it out. You spend a lot of time trying to figure out in your home what may be that why that light doesn't come on or why the water's not working the way that it's supposed to be. But in an industrial facility, time is money and time is safety and information is safety. So we have to have the blueprints for all of these facilities, just like it would be more beneficial if for your home, you had a really accurate blueprint of where every pipe and every wire was so that you always knew how to fix everything. But unfortunately at home, we don't really always have that. A lot of times we don't have the original blueprints. We don't know what renovation was done. And consequently, troubleshooting and fixing a home can be hard and it can be unsafe at times. And the same thing happens out in the industrial world is over time, you have a loss of information, a loss of quality in drawings. You have changeover with people. Bringing that together in a blueprint of a plant in a digital twin is really what I'm talking about. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But how do you do that? Well, the genesis of the information, the blueprint behind an engineered facility is really during the project up front. When you make the decisions as to why are we configuring it this way? Why are we building it this way? What are we doing? A lot of that knowledge is really known right up front. That's where you build the original drawings for construction. And the best way to build a digital twin is to get up front in that early stage of the engineering world and get everyone on board with the fact that all of that information is generally held in a pretty sophisticated manner at that point. Whenever your engineering team is working on something, they got some integration between disciplines. You've got the instrumentation people talking to the piping people, talking to the automation people, and they sort of make those, their little pockets of information, they make them all connect so they can generate a good job project. What you really want to do is you want to capture that same sophistication. You want to move it over into the operating of the facility and you want to maintain it forever in that good state. And where that doesn't happen sometimes is when you just turn everything into a piece of paper You print it out, you put it in a binder or something, or you save it off in a file. And you say, well, we got everything from the project. It's kind of just in a big pile over there, but we got it all. You could find it if you needed it. In the modern world, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to take some of the sophistication when you're originally creating something, and you're trying to bring it over and maintain it for the long use of the facility so that you have accurate schematics and accurate drawings And you're connecting that to your new systems now, like your monitoring of the way the plant is operating and your control system. And you want to connect all of those dots together and build something that works together. That's the ideal case is when you take it up front from the project. Okay. Well, I guess that was my next question. And you guys are primarily in the oil and gas space. Is that right? Oil, gas, energy, renewables, everything that keeps the lights on essentially. And fertilizers, that covers a big space, water processing, all of those things. And I'll say too, that was the ideal case is when it comes from a project, but you might be in situations where you're working at a facility that's older and you still want to have this same level of quality and safety in your data. And that's a as-building effort. You may be scanning a facility You might be going out and surveying it and building it and putting it into us. So there are two ways to get to this same endpoint. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. In fact, you got ahead of me. I was about to look real smart by asking that question what you just answered. (laughs) Okay. So what you're saying is if you're looking at a plant or a refinery or whatever, and you're looking to, let's just call it new construction, you're looking to construct a new facility or add on a new part of a facility, you guys need to come in right there. And that's really the best spot for you guys to come in. But you can actually there's a lot more old facilities than there are new ones. So you guys can actually go in there and help with that as well? 100%. Yeah, you go in and someone's saying, hey, we've been running this facility based off some old drawings. We've got a sort of disconnected systems. But we know that to be more efficient and to be safer, we need to get all that up to speed. We need to be up compliance from a safety perspective. We need to be better so that our future projects can be executed better and more safely. So yes, there are a lot of cases where someone comes to us with an already existing plant and some gaps in their data, and they want someone to efficiently make that into a digital twin that they can trust and they can use moving forward to catch them up, basically. So folks, we didn't script this, and those who are regular listeners to the podcast know that I always make the mistake of asking questions I don't know the answers to. So I'm going to ask Mike, put him on the spot here. Can you give me an example of that? If you're in the process industry, instrumentation is an area where there's so many, if you think of a process plant, there's so many instruments, and they're kind of needy, for lack of a better word. They require a lot of attention. Your instruments, they wire back into a control system. And those things, they are the sensors, you know, the pressures, the temperatures, the motor control, everything around running the plant. And making workers safe. Yeah, exactly. Right. Big time. Because they're the ones telling you, hey, I've got a problem. I've got overpressure. I've got over temperature. I've got a vibration issue. But when you go to a facility, you could have 100,000 instruments out there in that facility. And Those guys need to be maintained. They have to be tested. They have to be calibrated. They have to be replaced. One area that we see as like the starting ground for the digital twin for a lot of people is, hey, we have a problem with the volume of work orders and the volume of MOCs, little management of change things, and small improvements that we do around instrumentation. And we need a system. We could gather all that data, put it in a cloud. And then we could make sure we have all our data sheets and all our drawings, all of our information readily accessible for my next technician on a tablet during a turnaround or a shutdown where they can really do their job well. The easy example of that as building the existing facilities, increasing and building a twin usually starts around some sort of instrumentation solution. And you get that handled. And then from there, you can move on to your equipment or your electrical. But the thing about like equipment and electrical, you don't have as many. So you don't have the volume. They're super important, but the volume of instrumentation drives that to kind of be a starting point for a lot of people. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So let's get back to prolytics. Other than the fact that the VP of sales is an Aggie engineer, what are you, a mechanical engineer? I was mechanical by education, yes. But My first job was in automation and controls. So I was a PLC programmer, HMI graphic builder, did some time in the offshore Gulf of Mexico space. That automation engineer, Russell, is an interesting person. There's not an exact education for that. 
you know, it's sort of an engineer programmer kind of person. And so that was where my roots were, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how many other guys are there in the company? We've got a team of about 80. Oh, wow. Most of them are engineers. Are they all Aggies? No. <laughs> We've even hired a handful of Longhorns. Oh, no. Yeah. It might even be up to five or six by now. <laughs> I would say we have a few more Aggies than Longhorns, but we do have an Alabama grad. I know that has something to connection for you there, but a team of about 80 and they're generally, it's kind of a person that's an engineer with a computer science interest, kind of a tech engineer person. That makes sense. Yeah. So how long have you guys been in business? We've been in business for about eight years and we sometimes branded it as engineering IT. Some of the things we do are kind of engineering IT, and some of it's just tech in general. I did want to add something about our industrial safety systems, because this is an HSE podcast. Because I don't know, is now a good time? I want to talk a little bit about a couple of safety system topics. Is that okay? No, let's jump into that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we've been talking about the data and how important it is if you go out in the plant that you have the right drawing. You don't want to disconnect the wrong wire or you don't want to hook up the wrong pipe. Of course, that can have a, a real risk to a person. But another thing is when you have these industrial facilities, you have an actual safety PLC, something, Triconics, Allen Bradley, Honeywell, Yokogawa, something that's responsible to read in all those instruments and make decisions, you know, and to say, oh, you're outside of the bounds, you're about to have an explosion, or you're about to have a leak, or you're about to do something that's going to put risk to people or environment or assets. Those safety systems in the industrial process plant world, they have to be tested. One of our niche areas of work is that we have an automated testing package. If you can imagine having a safety system and it's supposed to do a thousand things, it's hard to test a system that is supposed to do a thousand things. That's permutations, Russell. Like if this transmitter reads high pressure, I'm supposed to close this valve. But if it reads low pressure, I'm supposed to close this valve. But if it's a high pressure and a high temperature, I'm supposed to do something else. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The older way to test that was automation engineers would sit around this PLC and they would recreate all of those scenarios. And that's a monotonous task. If you can imagine trying to test, it could be 10,000, depending on how big the facility is. And you're trying to say that all of those things are programmed properly, that that, set, that that PLC programmer put it in there exactly like the engineering team designed it. What we saw in the industry was, number one, that's a task in itself that takes time and people out in the field. Anytime you've got people out in the field, in the facility, that's people in a place where there's a safety risk. That's more people at risk, right. And also, if it's a really complex test that you're doing, there's a human element to that. If I've got to test a thousand permutations, what if I miss one? What if I don't test it exactly the way that it was designed? When that system is called upon in the future to shut down, it doesn't work. That's really the real risk there. We built an automated software package where basically you put in all of the requirements, all those permutations, and you say, okay, test this system, test this SIS and make sure that it does everything that's supposed to do so that we can say it's safe. We have a package and a service package where we do that for people. And I think if you really want to get down to it from a safety perspective, that's just such a critical part 
of running these facilities is having a safety system you can trust and our ability to test it with less people and less time and make it actually a better test because you're programmatically saying, yes, all thousand permutations of that logic are doing exactly what they're doing. Then I know as an engineer or a technician that that unit is ready to operate safely. Uh, That sounds great. What was the second thing? Well, we also do work in terms of monitoring of those guys, those safety systems, once they're online. What I was describing there was sort of the acceptance testing. When you're going through the checklist to say that my system is configured correctly, we also do work in the space of continuous monitoring to basically just check and validate that the systems are performing on during their operation, more of a real-time thing. Both of those are ways where we're really aiming to make sure that we take the mystery out of the industrial safety system. That's a great way of putting it. In fact, I was just sitting here thinking as you're describing all this, well, how do I know this is all really working like it's supposed to? That's what you guys ensure. Yeah. I mean, when you're out in the field, Russell, you've got noise considerations, you've got visibility limitations, you've got so many things happening It's not just a clean, simple environment when you're out in a processing unit. Knowing that systems are, number one, that you have the right information as you're trying to solve a problem, and that the system you're working with is really configured the way that it was designed, those are really important considerations when you're trying to operate safely. Well, there you go, folks. That's exactly right. So Prolytics... Actually, it's capital P-R-O, capital L, and then I think it's T-Y, capital X. Is that right? Y-T, capital X. Yeah. P-L-X. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Maybe it's not the easiest to spell, but it looks good on the logo, we think. Yeah, it does. It really does. Your website looks great, and we will definitely put your website in the show notes. We'll put your LinkedIn contact information in the show notes of check it out, folks. This is a company for those of you in that space. You might really want to look at some of their packages here. Mike, I thought it was fascinating. Technology is just taking a hold of everything and is definitely taking a hold of safety, which is a good thing because it is much more efficient. And that's what we're all about is making sure everybody comes home safe. I want to thank you for coming on the show. You want to add anything else before we sign out here? I just want to say the industrial world, there are many ways that we can improve it. And if you have a good information back foundation, you can do more work studying the plant and researching it from the safety of an office. And that's part of, from our digital, the focus on a good digital blueprint of a plant. That's part of that too, where you're basically enabling the work of the engineering teams and the technical teams. You're trying to enable as much of that from possible as possible from a safe location. We're excited to be out there having an opportunity to help the industry use the latest and greatest technology to do that as much as possible. Well, it was my pleasure to introduce it to our OGG and HSE podcast family here. Again, thanks for coming on the show. As always, to everyone out there listening, we're very grateful that you do listen because you listen, keep us as one of the top, if not, some would argue the top HSE podcast in the oil and gas industry. So please keep listening. Please tell your friends to listen, post us on LinkedIn, your other social media, 
leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, or when you're looking in the show notes, maybe to look up the website or Mike's contact info, there's a review link in the show notes that makes it easy to leave a review. We want to, uh, again, acknowledge Knowledgevine as our sponsor and thank them for being a part of this podcast. If you want to learn more about the most advanced safety technology adapted from the human performance principles of the nuclear and aviation industries, then Knowledgevine is your dependable partner for that. Knowledgevine is air reduction that works. I think by the time this podcast airs, we'll still have some of Knowledgevine's remedy book that's available. If you reach out to me, one person who was a guest on this show about a year ago said it's the best book on human performance that he's ever read. If you'd like a complimentary copy of that, you can reach out to me and I'll make sure that you get one. And reach out to me on LinkedIn for any show suggestions on topics or guests. Or if you're looking for a speaker, and like I said, if you want a copy of the book, and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.